This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. It was a chaotic start. Huge queues formed early. And as the morning wore on, they began to extend further and further down the road under a cold Glasgow sky. Thousands of delegates, all trying to squeeze through security to make it into halls and side rooms. At a separate entrance, world leaders began to arrive. Modi, Merkel, Macron. The most powerful people from across the globe arriving to deliver speeches, to set the tone for the weeks and tense negotiations ahead. We meet with the eyes of history upon us and the profound questions before us. It's simple. Will we act? Will we do what is necessary? Welcome to COP. Welcome to Glasgow. I'm Madeleine Finlay, and from The Guardian, this is Science Weekly. Day two of COP26, the World Leaders' Summit. Whilst everyone else was trying to get into COP, I headed in the opposite direction. A few minutes down the River Clyde, there was an event happening on a repurposed ferry, on top of a floating pile of rubbish. A panel of youth activists discussing their own climate leadership. And they had invited a surprising guest. I'm Basil McIntosh. I'm the Minister of State. Basil McIntosh, the Environment Minister for the Bahamas, and... I'm sure he won't be offended at this, a man not quite in his youth. He had just landed in Glasgow and, instead of heading straight into the main fray, he sat down with young climate activists. I spoke to Basil and Rochelle Newbold, the Director for the Department of Environmental Planning and Protection. I asked them why they'd come to the event. We want the world to know that we are on the receiving end 
of this global pandemic when it comes to climate change? Another reason to, um, for the Bahamas to be a part of this event is because the, the youth are the future. There's no sense fighting for a planet if it's not that we're going to hand it down to the next generation. So it's important for us to understand and to ensure their involvement in the decisions that are made going forward. In 2019, the Bahamas was hit by Hurricane Dorian, which ravaged many areas of the archipelago, destroying lives and livelihoods. At COP, keeping to 1.5 degrees of warming is a central goal. For many of us, this might seem like an abstract number, but for Rochelle and Basil, it means something extremely real. Dorian devastated our country, and here we are still trying to pick up the pieces to recover from that. So can we imagine a continuation of that year after year during our hurricane season? That is just going to obliterate us off of the map. There will be no Bahamas if we can get situations like that under control. It is extremely important that we do whatever it takes as a planet to get as close to that as possible. The same business-as-usual mantra will not work. The Bahamas, with its limited infrastructure, can't simply rebuild each time this happens. We can't put seawalls everywhere. We can't engage in technology that we don't have. So if we don't have that everybody working together to to come as close to that 1.5 as possible, we're going to have a country that's in crisis. We're going to have issues of migrations to other places because people need to have a livelihood. Their children need to have a future. We all need a home. We're going to have to have somebody else. We're going to be like what's occurring in the Pacific Islands where they're making negotiations and agreements about how to move countries into other locations. And this is something that does not have to happen, at least not at the rate that it's presently occurring. Despite the challenges that the Bahamas face, Basil is still optimistic that the worst of this crisis can be averted, which would quite literally save the archipelago and the people who call it home. Well, I'm just coming here, so I don't know what's going either way at the moment. Um, But from the face of things, I think it's going to go very well. So you're feeling hopeful for the talks ahead? Yes, of course, yes, yes. Back at COP, the opening ceremony was beginning. Boris Johnson, despite some ill-placed jokes involving James Bond... Who generally comes to the climax of his highly lucrative film strapped to a doomsday device. ...struck a pretty sombre tone. Humanity has long since run down the clock on climate change. It's one minute to midnight on that doomsday clock and we need to act now. For the rest of the afternoon, in a sparsely attended conference room, leaders spoke about the risks of exceeding climate targets and reaffirmed their intentions. We do not have the luxury of waiting and we are already leading. They are taking actions, farmers are growing salt tolerance. I am confident that together with the global community of nations, we will deliver the outcome that the world urgently needs for averting a climate crisis. At the end of the day, I caught up with The Guardian's environment correspondent, Fiona Harvey, to discuss what she'd made of the opening of the World Leaders' Summit. Fiona, I started my day speaking to the Environment Minister for the Bahamas, Basil McIntosh, who, despite the perils facing his country, was upbeat about what could be achieved in the next two weeks. And this 
didn't really feel like the tone in the opening ceremony with the leader's speeches. Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, gave what was a scathing review of the progress so far. And even if the recent pledges were clear and credible, and there are serious questions about some of them, we are still careening towards climate catastrophe. What did you make of it? Well, he was very concerned to point out the peril that we are in, the dangers we face, how close to the brink we are. Failure is not an option. Failure is a death sentence. And it really it was a quite a different tone from the usual opening of a COP because quite often we're used to uh, people coming to the, the, the COP, these world leaders coming to a COP and trying to be uplifting, to give a message of hope and so on. Um, he was saying that we're facing a really serious choice. And in a blink and you might miss it moment, he also remarked that if this lack of progress continues, that he was going to demand what sounded like to me quite drastic action. Yes, he he wants countries uh, to come back to the negotiating table with commitments that are commensurate with the problem, the size of the problem. He was clear that if we don't get those commitments in the next two weeks, then he will come back demanding them next year and the year after and the year after that until he gets them. But Fiona, some world leaders did make big announcements and perhaps the most significant was Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India, who set a net zero target of 2070. 20 years after the target that Boris Johnson had set out. Well, the 2050 target is an important global target, but it's always been agreed, really, that developed countries need to do more. Developed countries have been encouraged to come forward with net zero targets pegged to 2050, but there's some leeway for developing countries uh, to have targets a little bit after 2050. So, for instance, China has set uh, a net zero target of 2060. Now, most people would like China to bring that forward, and perhaps at some point China will, uh, but China wants to preserve this kind of distinction between the historically developed and the developing countries. Lots of people think that India could actually reach net zero much sooner. They're just setting the target a bit conservatively. So it's not ideal that India set a net zero target of 2070, but it's not terrible news either. Were there any other speeches throughout the afternoon that stood out to you? We had Joe Biden. The science is clear. We only have a brief window left before us to raise our ambitions and to raise to meet the task that's rapidly narrowing. And he was keen to draw a contrast uh, with the previous Trump administration. And he talked about what America is doing and uh, really the steps that they are taking. Obviously, the world's second biggest emitter after China. So that was very important. I can also break the news that the United States is back in the high ambition coalition. What does that mean? 
At the Paris summit in 2015, when the negotiations were on over what temperature limit to set, a lot of countries wanted to just set a limit of two degrees. But a high ambition coalition came together and they came together and they said, no, we must have a commitment to 1.5 degrees in this agreement. And they did and they got it and that's in the Paris Agreement. And it's really important. The US is back in the high ambition coalition, uh, which is a great boost to their work here. So we can expect to hear a lot more from them in the next few days and what they want from this COP and how they're going to get it. Well, I'm glad to have a positive takeaway from the day. Fiona, thank you very much again. Thank you. To keep up with our daily COP episodes, subscribe to Science Weekly on your preferred podcast app and head to theguardian.com for the stories as they happen. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.